0: You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live.
1: going on everybody good evening welcome to review and preview i am your host tom scavetta join alongside my co-host kyle russo kyle good evening looks like you've been hitting the beach a little bit there how's your early post-graduation summer going oh i'm loving it the sun uh i had a good
0: time yesterday with the sun got a little too burnt make sure to wear your sunscreen i did not but <laughs> got a little burnt and to be honest in a little bit of pain but it's okay it's okay we'll be right back in the same spot next week just got to recover this week, but uh, Tom, doing well, doing well. How about yourself? Exciting stuff, New York, yeah, New York sports. Uh, <laughs> you, got your, you got your Mets, and of course, you got the Rangers rocking your Ranger jersey right now. Exciting times, yeah.
1: absolutely. And speaking of exciting times, the New York Rangers have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2015, where they played the Tampa Bay Lightning. As Kyle Russo predicted, the Rangers would make the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Kyle Russo was correct, he pretty much stood alone amongst the review and preview staff in that argument. Um, I'm ecstatic. But, uh, folks, before we dive into that, we want to remind you all to follow us on all of our social media. You can see that on our ticker below. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports to get all the up-to-date content. And first, before we dive into the Rangers' Game 7 win over the Hurricanes, Kyle – uh, we do have some breaking news. First off, Stephon Tuitt has announced his retirement from the National Football League after seven years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, had a career-high 11 sacks in 2020, and did not play last year, taking Stefan Tuitt off an already paper-thin defensive line in Steel City. Yeah, no, that's huge for them, especially because when you break down that division,
0: The Steelers, uh, again, not because the structure of the team is poor. It's just you look at the competition with inside the AFC North, obviously the uh, Super Bowl uh, apparent Cincinnati Bengals in just last year. We know what the Baltimore Ravens were obviously capable of, but once Lamar Jackson got hurt towards the end of last season, they completely slid off. But a healthy Lamar Jackson should be able to get the job done to win you 10 plus games uh, or around that number. Uh, And then it's kind of still up in the air with the Cleveland Browns, but depending upon who plays the quarterback, um, you know that that could be a very successful team as well and now you look at the Steelers you talk about the very decimated defensive line you talk about an offensive line that still is kind of porous and you're kind of in in the same conversation where it's like well we don't even know which QB is starting for us now and our defense is the bread and butter that's really been supporting us these last couple years especially not only as you transition into this new quarterback era but in these last couple years of Ben Roethlisberger he hasn't been the uh, best per se, or at the uh, Big Ben strength that we've seen as of the earlier years uh, or even middle years of his tenure as a Pittsburgh Steeler in the NFL. So definitely not good news uh, for Steelers fans, um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, again, if there's any team that you could really bank on the fact that, listen, we understand that the defense is tremendous and they've been showing out and showing up, you know, with guys like Cam Hayward, guys like T.J. Watt, obviously Minka Fitzpatrick, Um you know when they signed some guys in the offseason they made some draft moves but with mike tomlin as your head coach, a guy who's never had a below 500 season i would say that they're in good hands for such a big transition uh now in this first year without ben roethlisberger and missing some of their key guys as well in the defensive
1: front as well as the offensive front as well you know i mentioned the whole stefan too i think as fellow uh fighting irish alum so got to give him some love and then The hits just keep on coming for the NFL. This just came in breaking news minutes before we went live. Former Dallas Cowboys running back Marion Barber passes away at 38 years old. The current cause of death is unknown, and this is terrible news for all football fans. I remember, Kyle, I don't know if uh, you were actively watching the Giants at this time or not, but 2006 is really where he bursted onto the scene, scoring 14 touchdowns, and I remember in 2007, that playoff game, we were going up against him and Tony Romo, and it was that divisional round game on the way to the Giants winning Super Bowl 42. and Marion Barber was the starting running back for the Dallas Cowboys. So this is a tragic loss for the NFL in a week that also saw former Vikings corner Jeff Gladney pass away. We saw Dwayne Haskins uh, earlier this year, John Madden, right around Christmas time. I mean, it's been a rough few months for the NFL and and Marion Barber is uh no exception to that he is he was uh an awesome running back to watch kind of an old school type running back you know big body big build and damn I don't know what to say I really don't know what to say about that
0: yeah Tom you kind of alluded to a little bit a little bit before my time in terms of watching the Giants or remembering during that time and era of uh of Giants football and obviously Cowboys football but of course terrible loss and then you just what really sticks out is just the number attached to the death 38 years of age you know Jeff Gladney 25 and Dwayne Haskins as well around the 24 25 ish time as well so guys with a whole life to live um you know outside of the
1: game of football it's 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 terrible it's it's absolutely terrible it is and you know we we send our thoughts and prayers to the Barber and Gladney families Um, But we have to move on here and talk about some hockey. Um, The Rangers beating the Carolina Hurricanes four games to three, advancing to the Eastern Conference Final for the first time since 2015. We're coming for our revenge. We're going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final tonight at 8 p.m. And we have comments. Already, Hank and Dichter, who is at the Garden right now, getting ready for game one. LFGR, no quit in New York. And Hank is blowing us up, Kyle. I don't know if you saw Woman Rink and Central Park on Monday night, but holy smokes, man. I mean, these Rangers looked good. They were down three games to two. Not only did they, they didn't just beat Carolina in the last two games. They boat raced them. In the last uh-huh. two games, I, and I, I hate to coin Noah's term there, but Kyle, neither of these games were close. They yeah. weren't even close. And in Carolina game seven, you, you think a team that hadn't lost at home the entire playoffs. Like, how does Carolina choke this series lead? It's uh, you know, we talked about with Brian last
0: week and mm-hmm. uh, something that I think I remember that I stated was that, uh, again, to beat this team. Well, when you really break it down, I know I had mentioned this to Brian, is that can you imagine if these offensive cornerstone pieces for the Rangers were actually showing up? This would have been a closed series already. We've been talking about on last week's show or a game earlier uh, to potentially closing out the season that the Rangers would have been playing Tampa in last week's conversation on review and preview. But they weren't. And then we saw these breakout performances. You put up five goals in game six. You put up six goals in game seven. And you see this outbreak of offense, whereas where we've seen with Carolina – you know, they win those two games, games one and two, to start off the series. But they're not winning them by high scores. I believe you got shut out in game two, two-nothing. And then the other mm-hmm. game, they also scored, uh, again, another two goals or something like that. But you guys scored, scored a goal in that game, uh, making it a 2-1 loss. They're a team that had tremendous amount of trouble scoring. Uh, Tara Vinen did not have a good series. Schmetzikov, Sh- uh, I'm butchering that, but could not play. They had a very poor series. Uh, Trocek. Did not play well. And Sebastian Ajo did not play well. And you combine that with the fact that, again, they did not have Frederick Anderson in this series at all, who, again, in his years with Toronto, wasn't the greatest of goalies. But in his first year with Carolina, was absolutely tremendous. Uh, save percentage-wise, one of the best in the entire NHL. You bring in Ronta, who's a uh, I – w- I would give his uh, give him some flowers as well. A 1B-type goalie. He's a very good goalie. Um, obviously familiar face as well with the Rangers, former Ranger. Um but played some porous games, and then obviously had to exit in game seven, I believe, uh, right in the beginning of the second period or maybe at the end of the first period. So once you bring in that third-string goalie, you guys were already up to nothing. It was just a matter of you guys maintaining and holding the lead. But as long as you guys were able to score, that was really the difference maker in between the game one, games two of the series all the way to the end, is that as long as you guys were scoring, even in a limited capacity because you guys couldn't score at all in the first two games, even in a limited capacity, you guys are going to win. Because Carolina could not score whatsoever. If their defense wasn't going to hold down the fort, they weren't going to be able to compete in these games, and that's what we saw uh, transpire in Game 6 and 7 for the New York Rangers.
1: Right, in Game 6, I mean, purely outmatched goal wise oh, yeah. And what's, what's crazy, and this is a crazy stat, the Rangers were outshot 39-25, to 25, mm-hmm. and the Canes won 61% of the faceoffs. In fact, the Rangers are the second-worst face-off team in the National Hockey League. Um, in fact the four teams remaining rank amongst the bottom in the NFL and face off one percentage just goes to show you how much that stat really means, right? Um quality over quantity. I'm listening as an
0: Islander <laughs> fan, we we heard it we, we heard it for two years. The amount yeah. of shots that we were getting out shot against versus the amount of times they were winning games because of just being able to capitalize on those limited shots. And that's what the Rangers
1: have done. Absolutely. And Igor with the two assists, 37 save. Filipito and Artemi Panarin scoring goals. They led 3 0 early in game six, no looking back. And then in game seven, a uh, second game in a row, the Rangers led 3 0 early. They scored two goals in the first eight minutes of game seven. I wasn't even home from work yet. Fox and Kreider both scoring on the power play, or Kreider scored on a power play. Kreider had two goals, Fox had one. Heedle scored another. Ryan Strom got a piece of the pie. And then Andrew Kopp, of course, with the empty net. Ne- empty net. I was very and it was crazy. At least twelve Rangers scored a point in this game. It's absolutely incredible, um, you know. And yeah, you could argue, Chris, that Carolina choked it away, but the Rangers won this series. They deserve to be here. They collectively came together as a unit. Um, I do agree with um, Frederick Anderson, you know, his injury, not having him definitely hurt their chances. Um, Their organization needs to, uh, you know, look into some things a little bit. I think the world of Carolina and I I think the world of Rob Rindemul. I was not expecting to win this series, but I'm happy we did. Um, I was happy we were able to, you know, put them away um, and thank you very much for the comment, Chris. Chris is the host of um, Puck Off over at JDF Sports. Make sure to go check those guys out. Um, yeah, I mean, the Rangers just I, – I i feel weird saying this. They just outmatched the Hurricanes yeah. in this series. I mean, I think it was Kachakov came in late in the second period. Um, the Canes were just two for 18 on the power play the entire series. You're not going to win – doing that. I mean, granted, Igor had thirty seven saves, five of them on the penalty kill, but I mean, my gosh, if you can't score on the power play, you're not going to win a playoff series. That's the yeah. matter of fact.
0: Yep, yeah. especially with a team that struggled mightily offensively. And that was kind of a, that was kind of a shocker because we didn't see that as much when they were playing Boston in um in the first series for the Carolina Panthers. Obviously kind of the same scenario where they had the lead to nothing within the first two games and then they couldn't win it on the road whatsoever in that first series against the Boston Bruins. But obviously because they had that game seven at home, they were able to capitalize and win. But offense at that point in time was still not a problem. Now you get into the Rangers series, and that's where it really started to get interesting because both games one and two, both teams played tremendous defense. It's just that Carolina was able to capitalize more on those shots taken uh, versus Mm -hmm. the Rangers. But once the Rangers were back at home, it's a completely different ballgame. That limited offensive capacity in which Carolina was thrown at you guys, combined with the fact you have Igor in that, they weren't, con- weren't going to be able to compete. You guys have been a terrific, you know, as much as people like to throw shade, in, and rightfully so, with the Carolina Hurricanes for being a horrible road team and a fantastic uh, home team, the Rangers were kind of falling into that slump too. In fact, before this yeah. game, what was it, game seven or game six, you guys had only won one game on the road between the yeah. Penguins and the uh, – mm-hmm. And the hurricanes. So, but you guys have been tremendous at home, and I think that you know, moving into this Tampa series, that only furthermore, I, I would think, improves your chances of potentially winning. Now that you
1: have home ice advantage uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, it's going to be a huge challenge. And with that, Winnipeg will now get the Rangers' 2022 first round pick via Andrew Copp and Chris Kreider has 15 career goals in elimination games. That is second in NHL history. Just one behind the name that many Rangers fans might know, Mark Messier. And we're going to bring up our Tampa Bay Lightning fan in just a few moments, Garth Michael Patrick from the sports box as we prepare for game one. But just quickly, the other two series, I mean, the Avs won 4-2 to in game six. They put away the St. Louis Blues. And then the Edmonton Oilers beat the Calgary Flames four games to one. The Flames seem to just fall apart in the playoffs, Kyle, and uh, – yeah, it's it's just insane. You know, uh, I'm excited with these final four teams that we have left. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to previewing uh, the Rangers and Lightning tonight. But, I mean, what were your biggest takeaways from the uh, Western Conference uh, semifinal matchups in a few brief words? In a, in a few brief words, I would say for Calgary, it was, it was quite
0: shocking yeah. uh, to see how poorly they played. And then St. Louis, I mean, we were on the verge of, again, um, Brian, myself, and you had a conversation last week. And, and one of the things that I remember saying is that Colorado, you know, we got to see because they're one series away yeah. from being designated as a choke team. And the way that that game six ended, if you remember, they let up a goal. St. Louis with just two mi- two seconds left on the clock, five seconds left on the clock before heading into an OT situation where, at that point, it's anybody's, uh, it's anybody's game, especially being that St. Louis was at home in that scenario. You go in 3-3, three, three, I mean, it's anybody's game in a Game 7 scenario, but they were able to close out, and Colorado has looked especially dominant to start off uh, the Western Conference Finals
1: against the Edmonton Oilers. So. I agree 100%. And Chris, I, you know, I'm going to give your Bruins some credit. You guys gave the Canes a run for their money as well. Uh, I, I think that needs to be said and hang with the fun fact. Igor had more points than that loser wearing number 77 referring to Tony D'Angelo, a few former Rangers on the hurricanes and Derek Stepan, Ranta, uh six and D'Angelo Brady Shea. Who else am I forgetting? Brendan Smith, Brendan Smith too. That's another one. Good Lord. Yeah. They're, they're like a lot of them. The poor man's Tampa Bay lightning. We like, there them. you go. Right? Um, All of that defense got played in the Canes-Rangers series. None left for the Colorado-Edmonton series. There were 14 goals scored in that game last night. Incredible. Johnny Montalbano. What's up, Johnny? The host of Game On over at Empty the Bench Sports Network. Former and original host of Review and Preview from 2011 to 2014. LGR with Igor. We've got a chance. Hashtag no quit in new York. And without further ado, we're going to bring up our guest, Garth Michael Patrick from Florida, resident Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Garth, welcome to the show. Appreciate you joining us. And how are you feeling, man? We've got about 40 minutes till uh, that puck drops for game one. And I know you're nervous. I'm nervous as well. Man, welcome.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of excitement leading up to the series, guys. But once that game one gets this close, the nerves are definitely Definitely setting in, uh, especially being on the road the first two games. But yeah, how are you guys? Excited to be here tonight, Tom, Kyle. Really excited to talk this series.
0: I'm excited to talk about it with you, man. It's uh, again, I got no horse in the race, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hell of a series. I really do believe that it's it's gonna be a hell of a series between just the goalies alone. Uh, it's just gonna be an unbelievable performance by both uh, Shesh Darkin and Vasilevsky.
2: Yeah, definitely the best goalie matchup I think that we've had in years and postseason. Yeah. I can't even, not at least in recent years, remember a goalie matchup this good. If you look way back, yes, you've got like Lundqvist and Brodeur, but not in recent memory.
1: So this is Garth Michael Patrick, folks. He is the co-host of the Sweet Tea Podcast or the Sweet Tea Show on the Sports Box with. Noah DiBler Garth, if you want to plug that in quickly here before we uh, preview tonight's pivotal game one.
2: Yeah, most definitely. So we go live every Friday night, guys, here on Facebook through the Sweet Tea Show. Uh, you can find us on our own personal page for the show here on Facebook, as well as, you know, you can follow us indirectly through the sports box as well. You get notifications through them every time that we go live. Uh, and we kind of talk a wide array of stuff. I think me and Noah. My co-hosts are most passionate about NHL and college football, but we definitely, you know, love NFL. A little bit of motorsports talk on there, Formula One, uh, professional dirt bike racing. So we cover a lot, um, but we have our favorites, no doubt. And right now, we're talking one of our favorites in playoff hockey. Yeah,
1: you know, it, it, it's crazy. We're talking about the goaltenders in this series, and here is Noah. There he is. <laughs> um, yeah, you guys have been talking about this all week with me. Um, pretty much ever since Monday night well, before that. But I had a hard time uh, accepting the fact that you guys coined Igor as the second best goalie in hockey. I, because in my personal opinion, I was like, whoa, people are giving. Oh, no, give him a minute. <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I think this series concerns it. Sorry, I might have been a little bit frozen there. But um, this series concerns me a little bit because Tampa – has something that Carolina and Pittsburgh did not, elite goaltending. And, Garth, imagine if Vasilevsky was still in his prime.
2: <laughs> a little inside joke there between me and all. Uh, we actually had a Rangers fan, not Tom, obviously, uh, say that Vasilevsky was past his prime and that Igor had taken the torch to be the number one goaltender in the NHL. And little did they know, Igor is
1: only one year younger than Andre Vasilevsky. Fun fact, Um, Chris Nosek with the comment, two best goaltenders in the world face off in the Eastern Conference Finals. Two of the best forwards in the world, McDavid and McKinnon, face off in the Western Conference Finals. Rangers' massive goalie advantage is gone for this series. Um, Unfortunately, I'd have to agree with that. The Lightning are the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They have not played in over a week, Garth, I think almost two at this point. You're very well rested. Do you view that as an advantage, somewhat of a concern if there's some rust or a combination of
2: both? So my take on it, honestly, is that we definitely needed the rest for sure. We had a lot of guys who were banged up. Um, I saw – I don't remember the exact numbers, but I saw a stat where it's like the Lightning had played 30 or 40 more games than any other team currently in the playoffs because of having gone back to back, you know, we had that shortened weird compressed season um, due to COVID as well as the bubble before that. So it's been a really good, but strange bit of hockey for us these past few seasons. Um, So I do like the fact that we're able to get some rest. Um, I will say I am definitely a little bit concerned about Russ though. I think that, you know, if we, if there is going to be some rust to knock off, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a slow start here to this game one, you know, maybe like a first period where we don't really look like ourselves. Um, But, you know, I I definitely remain optimistic just because this group does collectively have so much playoff experience. Um, So, you know, will we come out rusty, not look like ourselves? Yeah. It's a very, very uh, possible thing, but um, I I wouldn't bet on it just because the experience of this group.
1: What do you think, Kyle? Do you think the experience of the Lightning gives them an edge in this series, or do you think the Rangers' youth could help them in these early games with the home ice?
0: I think the experience wins, and the Rangers have played, you know, fantastic. They have, but the difference between um, the Penguins and the difference, couple differences between the Penguins and Carolina, when we're looking at the Penguins' situation, um, As much as you want to accredit the the Rangers for coming back, you got to remember, in every comeback, they put themselves in that situation to force a comeback. They force themselves in a 3-1 deficit. And obviously the turning point in that series, Sidney Crosby going out and the Rangers got some life back. You win game seven against a Louis Domingue, right? You go to Carolina. Defense in the first two games carries in Carolina's favor. You guys go back home, the Rangers meaning, and they play absolutely fantastic. And they wind up winning the series again against a, again, give Ronta his flowers, but he's a 1B type goalie. He's not the number one guy. Anderson got hurt in practice with a a lower body injury around game four, game five, and he wasn't able to make that comeback that Carolina was expecting. Now you go into Tampa and everybody likes to say that, oh, the rest is a bad thing. Meanwhile, everybody's saying that Tampa's time is done because they haven't had any rest. So what is it? You've had nine days off now. Is the rest going to help them or is it going to hurt them? I think it's going to help them, especially because, Garth, like you talked about, they've got some guys banged up. In fact, Braden Point, as of 20 minutes ago, has announced that he will not be playing in this game tonight, which is huge for Tampa, obviously. But because of the fact that you have guys who are not only experienced, but phenomenal in Vasilevsky, Stamkos, Kucherov, Killorn, Palat, Hedman, the list goes on and on. I'm missing guys because of how deep you guys are. Whereas when you look in the Rangers in the Penguins series and the Carolina series, have they been faced with the best matches? Not really. And have they put themselves in really bad situations? Yes, they've been able to dig themselves out of. But are the Rangers coming back from a 3-1 deficit against Tampa? Probably not. Or are they coming back even from a 3-2 deficit like they had in Carolina against the Tampa Bay Lightning? I would say probably not. So I think those are things that you have to look at, that as much as we want to applaud the comeback, we have to realize why the comeback happened in the first place is because they weren't showing up early. Now, obviously, home ice advantage and breaking pointing out sets up a nice little storyline for a Game 1 victory in favor of the Rangers, but I think Game 1 is going to be a telling tale for what's going to play out
1: the rest of the series. Yeah, it's it's a good point. And I also think Garth, I mean, you can piggyback off this if you'd like. I think the physicality from both teams is very even. You're talking about guys like Ryan Reeves, Jacob Truba on the Rangers end, and you guys have plenty physicality on your own end that I'm sure you want to talk about as well.
2: Yeah, so I definitely expect this to be a very physical series, guys. What I'm interested to see is will it turn chippy? You know, are we gonna see those scrums in front of the goaltenders? you know uh, pushing shoving throwing punches after whistles that kind of stuff or is it going to be very physical but very disciplined because one thing that i definitely want to see out of my lightning in this series is we got to stay out of the box because this is rangers unit that has thrived on the power play throughout the playoffs so far so we got to, you know we got to bring the physicality but we got to play smart we can't put ourselves in uh bad position drawing stupid penalties with stuff like that but um you know, yeah, like you said, Tom, both of these teams are very physical. Uh, you know, we've got guys like Eric Chernak. He's a big bruiser. Um, and Hedman really isn't known for being like a big-time hitter or fighter or anything, but he definitely brings physicality in his own ways. Uh, guys like Sergeyev. Uh, Cal Foot's a guy who Noah loves that I've been really impressed with, despite his inexperience, one of the few younger guys on this roster. Um obviously your guy Tom, Ryan McDonough, that dude is an absolute workhorse. He's like that guy in the NFL that gets 20 to 30 carries every single week. That dude is just, he, he's a workhorse, man. I love him. I'm so happy that we've got him on this team. Uh, but really, you know, we point out we'll be a little bit thin at the forward position. We just had to go through that with the Panthers. It panned out pretty well, so hopefully we can continue that trend. But, you know, defensemen, were deep. We throw a lot of really, really good defensemen at teams. We stay fresh and I think that's why we do so well collectively defensively. I think that, honestly, we we really didn't get talked about enough coming into postseason with how good defensively this team can be. It's not only just Vasilevsky and goal. You know, like I always tell you, Tom, these guys are laying their bodies on the line to block shots. Yeah. You know, having injuries. One of the games against the Panthers, Tampkos had to go back to the locker room like four different times from blocking shots. But, yeah, I, I expect a lot of physicality in this series, guys. Yeah. And
1: Ryan Lindgren did the same thing for the Rangers, especially in that Game 7. And I want to bring up some comments here because we have stuff blowing up. Um, Chris says Tampa Bay takes this for one reason only, and I'm sure he's referring to Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, Chris says Ranta isn't even a 1B, at best a 2A. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair opinion. I think you could argue both ends of the spectrum with that. Ronta has one season in his career with more than 40 games started. DeSmith and Domingue are career backups. Vasilevsky is a massive step up for those two as you can get. Chris, Rangers played Tampa Bay strong in all three matchups during the regular season. The Rangers did sweep the season series against the Tampa Bay Lightning three to nothing. But Vasi in the playoffs with the rest he's gotten? Yikes. That's an interesting comment there. And Noah posed a question that I forgot to bring up. Kyle briefly touched upon it. We're planning to play without him. And this is a quote from Lightning head coach, John Cooper. If he gets to play in this series, that's a bonus for everybody. That's John Cooper on Braden Point. Garth, what are your thoughts on potentially playing this series without Braden Point? Who do you think steps up into that Braden Point role? And it could be more than one guy.
2: Yeah, so a guy who did a lot of it in the last series with the Florida Panthers was Nikita Kucherov. Um, He kind of, you know, went from that guy who we know as a dominating goal scorer, you know, he didn't really play with the puck in his hands a ton, uh, to pretty much, you know, I wouldn't say fill in that role because Point is just so phenomenal at bringing the puck up the ice and and setting up other guys to score. But he did a really good job of that. I expect him to continue in that kind of role. Um, I'd like to see Nick Paul You know, I think he played really good against the Panthers, but we definitely saw the best out of him in that series with the the Maple Leafs, especially, you know, those last two games. So I'd like to see him step up. Um, And just guys, you know, collectively to to fill those shoes, guys like Brandon Hagel. So I don't think it'll be just one guy, but definitely look for Nikita Kucherov to carry kind of the bulk of that load that we don't have with point out there on the ice. Kyle, what do you
1: think? And I want to pick your brain. So, uh, again, when it comes to the depth of the Tampa Bay Lightning,
0: I don't think you ever have to really worry about the, the scoring option. I think that is there. Obviously, Braden Point is a tremendous loss. In fact, I know it firsthand as an Islander fan last year. That was the, the kryptonite to the Islander season as is they just could not stop the bleeding, and Braden, uh, Braden Point was absolutely incredible. And I think that losing him, because when I read that commentary, I thought that he just would be out for game one. I didn't realize the entire Eastern Conference Finals was up in the air, so that's going to be a huge loss. Um, but, again, with the depth in which they have, I think that they should be able to be okay. Obviously, it's a
1: major loss. But with the team in which they've built together, I think it could withstand an injury like that. It's fair. It is very, very fair to say that. And I want to get to Brian Littard's comment quickly here. Uh, Brian, I'm not sure if you're in attendance. Comment if you are because I, I know Hank is. Um, a lot has been said about the goalies the Rangers have played. But who exactly have the Lightning played? Campbell and Bob both stink. Thoughts on that, Garth?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I won't strongly disagree with Brian because he does make a really good point. Obviously, Bob has, is known as the career uh, regular season, solid goalie, playoff choker. Everybody who follows hockey knows that. Um, Campbell, you know, really hasn't been, like, a great goalie in his NHL career. I wouldn't say he's been terrible, but I will say, and I talked a lot about it during that series— he had some really damn good performances in that that uh, first series where we literally could not get anything past him. I think he even stole a game or two for them in that series. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I definitely see Brian's argument. I don't strongly disagree with it. I think he's pretty spot on other than I do think Campbell had some really solid performances in that series.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, Bob, no problem. But Campbell, I mean, he forced seven games against – The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning because he played very well, especially Game One. He forced a shutout against the Tampa Bay Lightning to start off the series. Now, obviously, Toronto loses that series, but I think Brian, the difference as well, not just with the goalie comparison, but the offense in which they're playing. Right when you look at the offense that Pittsburgh played, obviously came down to three guys, one of which you you could not stop. You know, between Malkin, Crosby, and uh, Gensel, I believe his name is, just could not stop. Gensel could not stop him whatsoever. You look at Carolina, we talked about a little earlier. You stop Sebastian Ajo, especially the way that the rest of the Hurricanes are playing in the first series against the Boston Bruins, you're probably going to win that series combined with the fact of the goalie injury. You look at who Tampa's faced. Yes, the goaltenders haven't been the greatest. I'll, I'll give credit to Bob, but not Campbell. you got to face up against Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Austin Matthews. You go to Florida. you got to play against guys like Barkov, Guru, Goudre- uh, a uh, bunch of other guys. Herber- uh, Huberto, I believe, as well. Yep fantastic offensive weapons that we're talking about guys so i think there's i be quite honest that's a that's a major difference between what the
1: rangers have gone up against uh faced off of versus what the lightning have gone up against and folks as you see brian's comment if you love the new york rangers make sure to go check him out on blue truth which is a show on the sports box network brian talks all things new york rangers and I know he's been taking a break, but he also hosts Highly Opinionated with Mike Galetta, Tuesdays at 8.30 p.m. Uh, And Noah with another comment. Vasilevsky versus Shosturkin. McDavid versus McKinnon. Two great matchups to watch as a relatively neutral fan. Neutral fan, Noah. I think you're pulling hard for I, yeah. I I saw I saw the team you picked in the outside the 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 box sports talk group before. I know you're pulling hard for the lightning. And what really sucks about this series, my favorite NHL player is on the damn lightning. So it's like <laughs> if 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 the Rangers lose this series, of course I'll be heartbroken. But can you can you really be that mad if Ryan McDonough gets another ring? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If the lightning beat and if you're a rangers fan and you're watching right now i do want your take on this. if the lightning beat the rangers in this series right i'm rooting for the lightning to win the stanley cup um only because of the respect that i have for the tampa bay lightning uh the amount of success they've had as of late and there's a lot of former rangers on this team granted i you know would like to see a 3 Pete as well to get it off of uh you know that team out east but uh, no pun intended there, Kyle, but um, you know, I just really think that um, Rangers fans might want to consider rooting for the Lightning, even if they lose this series. I'm not saying the Rangers are going to lose this series. You'll find out my prediction in a few moments, but uh, what do you guys think about that?
0: For me personally, again, I've been rooting for the 3 P. When I made that prediction about the Rangers making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I put the cap right in there because I figured the Tampa Bay Lightning would be the one to kind of cut the run in which they've had. Um, but to be quite honest, you know, if Connor McDavid wins the cup. That's awesome. If Nathan McKinnon and Cal McCall win the cup, that's awesome. Tampa three repeats. That's awesome. The Rangers winning a cup, it'll hit a little different as an Islander fan. But again, as a New Yorker, 22 years on this earth and only four uh, championships to represent the city of New York with as many sports teams as we do have here. Um, very limited. So it would be nice. To see another championship, especially because we haven't seen one in the last eleven years, so would
1: be nice, no doubt about it. Never forget the Penguins have been more successful since 2009 than the Flyers have in their entire history. I I, I love this guy. I mean, I feel like sometimes he pulls these comments out of his ass, but they're they're just absolutely hysterical, Noah and. Shout out to Vinny Milani from Jacksonville, Florida. Not many Rangers actually – no, I shouldn't say that. There are a lot of Rangers fans in Florida because there's a lot of New Yorkers in Florida, Garth. So I'm I'm interested to see if the Rangers are able to uh, crowd their way into Amelie Arena for games three and four. That should be quite interesting. But Vinny, a Jacksonville uh, resident and host of the Sac City podcast, huge Rangers fan. So shout out to Vinny Milani um brian Atard says he's going to game two Fair hank says warm-ups puck drop will start soon so i have to sign off for the night always a pleasure lfgr and gosh noah and uh, noah chris and brian are absolutely ripping this up right now tampa boat raced the hall of fame goalie in the finals last year First and foremost, Campbell and Bobrovsky are almost the same talent level in goals allowed on average. Um, very, very true. These are good stats to bring up, Chris, um, and the safe percentage for Bro- Bobrovsky. Uh, I think the issue that Brian has is his recent success in the playoffs, yeah. right? blowing a series lead. I think that's more the issue. Um that he has, and he does agree with Garth 110% right. Um, you know, neither hold a candle to these two. Man, I'm so excited! I'm so excited to watch these two goalies play. And we were bringing this up before you came on, Garth. The Rangers and the Lightning are the two worst face-off teams in the National Hockey League.
2: Is that a coincidence? I think that's one of those stats where people look a little bit too much into, you know. Obviously, there's key faceoffs that you got to try and win, like in the offensive zone, power plays, stuff like that. But, you know, I've seen a lot, a lot of lightning games, especially playoff games where we've lost the faceoff battle and yet we still win the game. So, you know, it's kind of just one of those nitpick stats, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. It's just something I wanted to bring up. I found it a little bit
2: um, ironic. Uh, I think both the Avalanche and Edmonton are ranked pretty low too as well. Yes, I believe they're in like the bottom 10 or something
1: like that. Um, Man, I I don't know if there's an argument going on in the comment section or what's going on. Everybody just wants their comment to be posted on. That's what it is. It's (laughs) got to be that, right? Scoring three points in four games. Yep, that's all on
0: Sergei Babrovsky. I was just going to say that was one of the points as well and Noah's point as well. They humiliated a team that was the best team by points in the entire NHL, so <laughs> I don't I, I don't think that's comparable in terms of what the Rangers face. That's just my personal
1: opinion compared to what Tampa faced. No, in and their I, playoff race, I, I do I do agree. And to piggyback off of Brian's point, though, I mean it, it's not it's not like Tampa has gone up against Harvard Scholars in in net, right? Yeah, um, I, I think that's more the point he's trying to make. I do think the Lightning's level of the opposition talent in the net has been superior than what the Rangers have faced. But at the same time, uh, both teams trailed in their opening series, came back and won it. Rangers did it again against Carolina. And I think there's something that needs to be said about that. This all isn't just on Igor, right? Majority of it is, but you have to give credit to guys like Chris Cryer, Adam Fox, who consistently gets points from the defensive position. Uh, We also need to talk about what guys like Artemi Panarin have done as of late. People want to criticize Lafreniere and Kako, but quite frankly, look at what they've done their first two years. Lafreniere has progressed, right? He scored 19 goals this year. A lot of people that were drafted this high aren't even producing these types of numbers in in the NHL. They're not even... Some of these guys are 21 and 20 years old. They're babies, Right. I mean, to criticize these guys this much, I I think you're doing yourself a disservice in doing that. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Rangers fan, but that's the reality of the situation. It's the same thing with Jack Hughes out in New Jersey. So um, obviously the spotlight
0: gets heightened when you're on a team that's competing. I mean, that was the mm -hmm. thing. The Rangers won the lottery back to back years. They weren't supposed to be picking that high. When you look in New Jersey, they were picking number one for a reason. I think that's the difference in why the spotlight is heightened on these guys, for the Rangers. Uh, more so, I think, with Kakko than Lafreniere. Because Lafreniere, you could see it. Like, he's coming. Uh, but Kakko now in year three, you just you just don't know what he is yet. And I think that's probably the reason why the spotlight is escalated, especially now
1: being in Eastern Conference Finals and four games away from going to a Stanley Cup. Kyle, to continue your rant, I think you might want to answer Brian's question here. Yeah, I, I saw this in the New York Post today. I don't, I don't really have a take, to be
0: honest, because of the fact that I'm – I've said my piece with I I like the dynasty factor. I think that's really, really cool, especially because I think in terms of any longevity, in terms of back-to-back-to-back, because the last time that's happened was the Islanders back in the 80s when they won four in a row. I don't know if there's been a three-peat since that period in time. I don't think so. So it would be really cool to see a team do that. Um, and again, I don't really play too much into the fact that, oh, the Bay Lightning have eliminated the Islanders in back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals. I have no, there's no hate there towards them. Now, with the Rangers, again, the only reason as an Islander fan, and I'm, I'm, I am in my respected New York teams in my fandom, I don't hate the other team root against them unless they're playing against my team. So if I'm an Islanders fan, I'm hating the Rangers. If they're not playing each other, it doesn't matter to me. The only reason why I guess I would say I'm rooting a little bit against the Rangers in terms of who I want to get knocked out is because I know. That when uh, the Islanders had lost in Game Seven, especially the way they lost last year in the Eastern Conference Finals with a shorthanded, uh, after not letting up one all year, now all the Ranger going. all the Ranger fans crawled out and and would not lay off the gas for weeks. So to see the Rangers, I don't want to say lose in a similar fashion, but lose have the season cut off right then and there, that would be a little bit of payback. Whereas if you know the Tampa Bay Lightning again. Not only did they beat the Islanders twice in the Eastern Conference Finals, but they won the whole thing. Whereas if the Rangers, you know, same area, you'll never hear the end of it. As I asked, Tom, you heard it from Brian's mouth last week. When I asked him the same question about, you know, what could have been in a 5-4 scenario, the argument would have been set in stone until obviously the Rangers were able to uh, tie that up, potentially if the Islanders did win last year uh, Mm -hmm. with another cup to then retie the record. What was that like growing up in the 80s? When the Islanders had, had four and the Rangers at that point in time, and only had three. What was that mm-hmm. like that period of time from 83 to 94? And he said right. it firsthand is that people would not let go of 1940. And so as an Islander fan, I don't want that to be the relived fashion of the Rangers now leading the Islanders five, four and having to hear about it year in and year out that, Oh, five, four, five, four, five, four, five, four. That's why I'm rooting for Tampa in a sense, but Brian, I read that same article about the uh, about the uh, uh, Rangers and Tampa Lightning.
1: Look, I, I don't like the Islanders at all. Um, I, I I wouldn't consider yeah, myself exactly. on the level of Brian Atard, but uh, to endure after '93 until '94, the idea that the Islanders would beat them to it again, unbearable. Well, and here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not saying all, but some Rangers fans, they won't let go of anything. Hell, they won't let go of Potvin sucks. You're going to hear that thing chanted in the garden like 800 times tonight, and that has nothing to do with either of the teams playing on the ice. And you're going to hear it about five times when you're watching the game on your TV TV tonight on ESPN. Once that dumbass in the stands starts doing that whistle, you're going to know what's coming. Right. And Hank Mm -hmm. is going to sit there with his hands on his ass saying, oh, my gosh, this has to stop. And it's never going to stop. So but Garth, I I do want to get your prediction for this series here, because I know we are on a time crunch with you due to puck drop happening in about 15 minutes. So what is your prediction for this series and why?
2: Yeah, so I said it before we even knew this matchup. Out of the two teams, I would have rather faced the Hurricanes because, you know, I knew any team that couldn't win a road game was not going to be able to knock out the Lightning in a in a playoff series. You you have to at least win one game there, in my opinion. Two, they struggled on the power play. Their power play was absolutely abysmal. Just like the Florida Panthers, we saw how far that got them. Um, and two, I just I feel like they're that team that wants to have that tough persona. They want to be that... Physically imposing team, but we saw with the Rangers, as soon as you actually take the fight to them, once you start being really physical with them, they're like, oh, wait, you know, we don't really want to do this dance with you guys. Um, So and and then obviously Igor, you know, he is the easily the best goalie out of those two teams that we would have to go up against. Uh, With with that said, you know, I've been saying I, I expect this to be a really, really tough, hard fought physical series i, I kind of see pretty much two extremes here in predictions I, I either see a lot of people saying six or seven games or i see the select few people saying, oh well the lightning are gonna sweep or or win in five i, I personally don't see that you know i'm very biased towards my Tail bay lightning i'm very passionate i love them but i just don't see that happening uh msg has been absolutely phenomenal in the playoffs i love home atmospheres that are that you know amazing um so they're definitely going to be able to win some games at home. you know. Uh, my, I think my official prediction in this is going to be uh, six games, 4-2 Tampa Bay Lightning. But I think every single game is going to be close in this series. I don't really see a lot of blowouts either way. And, and quite frankly, I don't think that we're going to have a lot of high scoring games. I think this is going to be a very defensive series. Yes, you might have an outlier or two where one team scores four or five goals, but for the most part, you know, I'd like to think that this is going to be a defensive series with both goaltenders playing amazing.
1: Solid prediction. Um, We know what Noah's prediction is, uh, Lightning in four. Kyle, (laughs) what is your prediction? Yeah. I think I know what it is. I'm going to say the Lightning in six.
0: And uh, again, I think that the Rangers have done an excellent year in terms of their push so far and what they've done just in a short stand of time. Obviously, I think the rebuild and some people's prediction, not mine, uh, the rebuild period in time escalated uh, rather quicker uh, versus a longer period of time for this Rangers team. But when I look at this Tampa Bay Lightning team, I think they look at what happened against Columbus a couple of years back, and they just want to bury that as far down as possible and they're on this absolute terror. They don't kind of feed into the noise of fatigue or whatever it is, and now they don't really have that excuse anymore now that they've had nine days off to prepare for this Rangers team, as in where you look at Rangers fans and the team in general, all you hear about repetitively, especially when they were going down in, in against Tampa, up against the Panther, up, my goodness, against the Hurricanes and against the Penguins, all you heard was uh, – igor hasn't played this many games before this is why he's struggling a little bit this team hasn't been here before youth 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 but then they come back and win the whole thing well i don't think that you're going to be as comfortable with the tampa Bay lightning as you can losing a game to the penguins as you can be losing a game against the carolina hurricanes because they don't necessarily have the weapons to come back to get themselves back into the series as in the tampa Bay lightning as i brought up earlier you put the tampa Bay lightning in a lead against the Rangers, Rangers not come back. You put them in a 3-2 lead against the Rangers, Rangers not come back. So I'm going to say six-game series with Tampa Lightning uh, crowned victorious going back to a third Stanley Cup.
1: My head says Tampa in six, (laughs) and Garth and Noah know this because that's what I said prior to the Rangers-Kane series ending. However, my heart and Rangers bias in me is saying Rangers – uh, in this series, um, and I'll, I'm going to get to my prediction now. So if this series goes to seven games, the Rangers would host the Lightning on the 28th anniversary of Game 7, where they won the 1994 Stanley Cup Finals. Sounds like, you know, a really good date for the Rangers to potentially pull that out in front of their fans at the Garden. Again, my head's telling me Lightning but my heart's telling me Rangers and Brian brings up a good point here that date, June 14th. There's something about that date that is sticking with me in my head. And at this point, your team has gotten here this far. I'm going Rangers in seven to advance to the Stanley cup final. Uh, And, you know, I want to say that with emotion of confidence, but I can't say that I have that yet. Um, There is potential for this series to be over in five games, but quite frankly, I mean, I feel like if you guys are in my shoes, you got to go with your team here. It's it's the it's the conference finals. If you don't pick your team to win the conference finals, I I mean, I I think there's something wrong. So I'm going with the Rangers in seven. I really like what Chris Kreider has been in this. And if Igor can step up to the plate and play on the same level as Igor Shosturkin, then the Rangers could potentially advance to the Stanley Cup uh, final. But um, Tom is a homer. We're all homers, Noah. Noah, Noah is a, Noah's a savage in the in the comments. Look, look at this. I comment. think the world of, and look, <laughs> I, I I think I, I do. I think the Lightning are the better hockey team. I do. Sometimes the better team doesn't always come out on top, though. I mean, that's that, that's the final thing, especially my, in playoff hockey. Team. Yeah, right. And the thing is, too, I mean, Garth, get those 26. I think he's referring to 2015, right, Eastern Conference. No, so
2: me and Noah love to talk about how, you know, all those seasons that the Lightning came up short in postseasons, there was a lot of doubt leading up to before that sweep with the Columbus Blue Jackets, whether or not, you know, we could ever get over the hump. Would these star players like Stamkos and Kucherov ever actually kind of live up to that hype? and postseason play and finally you know it it did happen but he likes to remind me of all that doubt that there that used to be out there for the Tampa Bay Lightning I agree 100
1: percent um again I could easily see the Lightning winning this series um but Garth I want you to I know you got to run here because we want to get you in front of the TV for that for the start of that game but Quickly, what's your prediction for the other series, the Avs and the Oilers? Obviously, the Avs are up 1-0. What is your prediction for that?
2: Yeah, so that that's going to be an absolutely insane series. I, I feel like, you know, on paper and also what we've seen, Colorado is definitely the better rounded team. Huge advantage in goaltending, even though they didn't show that in game one. I'll be really interested to see what Edmonton does in goal because Smith you know, he, he's got one foot out the door. He can't stop anything in that, regardless of who they're playing. Uh, they pulled him. They put in Kakanen, and he actually looked pretty darn good. So it'll be interesting to see if they stick with him. And if he can play, you know, to that level the rest of the series, the Oilers have a legitimate shot. Um, I think game two is going to be huge. If Edmonton can tie it up, go home with the series tied up, that that atmosphere just like MSG has been absolutely insane. That's a really tough place to play right now in the postseason. season. Um, you know, it's one of those series where you could see the avalanche winning something like four one, just because they are the much more well-rounded team, better goaltender, better defense. Um, but Edmonton's sneaky good. I feel like, you know, they, they put up enough points, enough offensive presence that they can kind of compete with just about anybody because it doesn't matter how bad your goaltending is if you get, if you can go out and score six seven goals a night, you know it's still very difficult for teams to beat you. Um, this is a really tough one for me to predict, but I think you know realistically what makes the most sense. I'm going to say Colorado and six in the West, but I would not be shocked if Edmonton can end up making this a very hard fought series and potentially go to Game Seven.
1: Awesome. Well, Garth. Appreciate your prediction. I'm gonna let you run here. Um, want you to plug your show one more time here before we let you go, and uh, we appreciate you coming on as always. So yeah, th- thank you for you having me too.
2: on, guys. I-, I love you know coming on here regardless of what we're discussing, but especially tonight Stanley Cup playoffs. Unfortunately, one of those rare occurrences where me and Tom are rooting against one of another. one one another, It doesn't really happen, oddly enough. <laughs> Usually we're on the same side of the fence and rooting for the same teams, but uh, it is that one rare occurrence. But, yeah, you guys, like I said earlier in the show, uh, every Friday night for the most part we take a week off here and there just to uh, keep ourselves refreshed and not talking about kind of the same topics on a weekly basis. But every Friday night here on Facebook, uh, Sweet Tea Podcast, me and, me and uh, Noah Dog Dibler, as we've come to know him by, um get some really awesome guests on there tom himself actually comes on sometimes uh we've got college football coming up and we go really really in depth that's kind of our our strong suit for sure but yeah you guys can follow us over on the sweet tea page here on facebook as well as i said earlier the sports box as well you'll get notifications through the sports box group when we do go live uh every friday night 9 p.m eastern you guys can catch us here on facebook
1: Awesome, Garth. Well, thank you so much for joining. Appreciate your time and uh best of luck tonight, buddy.
2: Yes, sir. With the utmost respect, best of luck, but let's go Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: <sighs> we'll do an air gentleman's handshake on that. Um, appreciate you, Garth. Thank you guys. Have a good one, man. That was Garth Michael Patrick from the sports box, Tampa Bay Lightning resident fan and uh we got a boatload of comments in the comments section um my gosh i i don't even know where we left off here in the comment section if i'm being honest i see an islanders blow comment um i think we ended off i think with um poor longquist if they win yeah that's that's very very true mm-hmm. um, i think we were around i think this was the last one that we brought up yeah, well, there, there, were, there were a couple more I wanted to pin. A 62-win Tampa team got swept in the first round. The playoffs are a completely different animal. They just recovered just fine from that experience. Yep. Uh, Vasi shut down the Panthers. Bobrovsky allowed 10 goals over four games while his team only scored three. Can't put that on Bob. Uh, Noah says, that said, Rangers in seven. I don't know if he's being serious or not. We got Lightning in four from Noah. We got Rangers in seven. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> Um, he's just like he's just a little salty about his penguins it's okay though yeah um carolina's not as close as i think they are paper soft talented yes but a cup winner no they're off by a few pieces interesting yeah i mean yeah that's a that's a good very heavy defense not enough offense um chris no sex says lightning in five tampa drops game one then completes a gentleman's sweep igor will play his ass off and each game will be within one plus an empty netter, but six makes more sense because of a simple dumb puck bounce. Okay. So there no is no team bounce. in hockey that can beat Igor in four consecutive games. I love this debate. Holy smokes. Um, I'm with Brian on this one. I don't think Igor is losing four straight either. Um, I could see Chris's prediction coming to life, but I'm going to side with Brian on that one. Uh <laughs> Avs over Av-nots, but um, Florida Gators suck. All right, so not only June 14th, but Tuesday, June 14th. Yes, that would be correct, 100%. But let's get into the Edmonton series, Kyle. Oilers lose game one to the Avs. The Avs have the best power play in hockey, and the Oilers have the sixth best penalty kill. Throw any type of defense out the window last night. I mean, you look at this series and what these teams have produced. Oh my! I mean, Leon Drysidle, seventeen points in his last five games. I mean, with the ABS, you got the big three: and Nate McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, and Miko Rantanen, uh, and um, McDavid, and Kane. Fourteen goals scored. The ABS scored four goals in the second period after falling one nothing early to the Oilers. Uh, outstanding effort by them. But the real thing is Kemper leaving with an upper body injury. He did allow three goals on 16 shots before leaving. Do you think this could potentially impact the series at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, when Garth was uh, exiting, he was using the argument that the goaltending situation for Colorado was so much better. Well, now not as much. Now with Pierre Francois potentially taking over because I've read into it a little bit and my buddy kind of talked to me about it as more of a more dominant hockey fan than I am in terms of my knowledge. But Darcy Kemper suffered an eye injury uh, sick to the eye about a week ago. And people are saying that maybe this potentially is like a cornea type injury because he pulled himself out of the game uh, and they designated in hockey. They don't like to uh, tell you right away what the injury is. They designated it as either lower or upper body injury. But that's been the speculation because it was designated as an upper body injury uh, that he did suffer in this game. So that's huge especially because, again, Mike Smith, he's, he's kind of gotten them here, give them all the credit in the world, but as a 40-year-old goaltender against the juggernaut that is the Colorado Avalanche in terms of the offense they throw at you, with guys like Kadri and guys like Landeskog and McCarr and McKinnon and all these other guys, even Devontae, who you can put the puck in the back of the net even though he's a defenseman, this is kind of even matched a little bit because Edmonton has kind of gotten themselves the same way in this situation, is that even when they were playing Calgary, Calgary was still putting up goals. It's just that they couldn't compete with the amount of goals that Edmonton was putting on. Now you kind of see a little bit of an even playing field. And a game two scenario right now is really huge because Kemper, people are saying he can miss a game two. He might miss even more than that depending upon how severe the injury is. Um, because if it is, the speculation, if the speculation is correct that it is an eye injury. As a goaltender, we obviously know that plays a huge factor in his ability to play at a high level because we saw he had a terrific year this year. Didn't look so well against this Edmonton team. Allowing as many goals as he did, I believe, a total of nine goals, Tom, just in the first 25 minutes of this game between the two teams shared. So not very good in terms of defense and goaltending, but offensively you know what both these teams are capable of doing. Yeah. Kemper might miss a game, keeping yeah. Edmonton in the series. It's going to yeah. be interesting.
1: Yeah. It's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, Nick Jesus and Dry Daddy need to demand the trade. Yeah. Um, no, Igor will play his ass off. Don't get me wrong, but Rangers are here because of Igor. Lightning can outlast what Rangers have in front of their goaltender, and Vasi won't give up the stupid goal. Mm-hmm. It's a fair argument. It's a fair argument. Uh, don't get me wrong. I-, I do think the Rangers are here mostly because of Igor. I'm not going to give him a hundred percent of the credit. Um, you know, you look at the way the Rangers defense played these last few games, blocking shots by the Hurricanes in game seven. Ryan Lingren putting his body on the line. You know, Chris Kreider showing up when it matters most. The redirect goal getting on top early. Foxy has, has developed very, very nicely over the past couple of years. But you're right. The goaltending situation is the biggest reason why the Rangers are here. Um, goaltending situation for the Avs is the biggest concern, but let's be honest. They won so many games the past few years with guys like Grubauer Bauer and Kemper and that not guys with elite careers by any means. Also Igor from April 23rd to May 9th, Igor went one, five and six straight starts. This was not too long ago. Went all and three, then a win, then two more L's. Hence the dumb puck bounce comment. But yes, Tampa can win four straight on Igor. Uh, I don't think it's possible, Chris. Uh, Quite literally taking that comment seriously, doing a little research there. Yeah, I don't agree with it at this point. This is the playoffs. This is a new Rangers team. You just mentioned they're here because of Igor. Um, I don't think they're they're, they're, they're going to lose four straight games in this series. Um, but you might be right. You never know. One interesting thing to notice tonight, John Cooper will play seven defensemen and 11 forwards. Oh, Garth, thank you very much for commenting after you just hopped off. Uh, highly unconventional and not exactly good in the consensus opinion, but for Tampa for Tampa this works extremely well. Shout out Barbara Kelly with the thumbs up. Heading off to watch the Rangers win. So keep up the good work, fellas. Yeah, we're we're gonna move along here with this. Um Pavel Frankuz came in, 18 saves for the Avs as their backup. Land the sky pretty much put the icing on the cake with the MP net goals. Six Avs finish with two or more points. And then for the Oilers, McDavid McLeod, Hyman Kane. Ryan Nugent Hopkins all scored goals. And then Mike Smith got pulled, I believe after giving up six goals, um, he made 19 saves. Yeah. Yeah. And then Koskinen came in. So, I mean, realistically speaking, Mike Smith is a huge problem for me. I know that the abs are fraudulent in the playoffs, but I think it's the abs time, Kyle. I'm going to pick the abs to win this series. Um, I do think this series will also go to seven games. and I think the Abs will wrap it up at home. I do think the Oilers can pick up a little bit of steam mid-series, and I think the world of Drysaitl and McDavid. But quite frankly, at the end of the day, I think the Abs—they just hit you from all different edges and areas. It's going to be too much for Mike Smith and that Oilers defense to offset.
0: Yeah, Tom, completely agree with the uh, the opinion in favor of the Avalanche. Uh, I think the time is now for them. Uh, they've been an extremely dominant team now the last couple years. I think they're finally capitalizing on that. And to be yep. up against a team that is uh, kind of struggling mightily at the end of this uh, terrific goalie run that Mike Smith has had. And the really the the main problem with the uh, Edmonton Oilers in terms of their reign, because they could have been in this playoff situation now for years, they just haven't found a significant goaltender to really take the reins. If they found a starting goaltender or even a good one, Um, not to take any credit away from Koskinen or Mike Smith, but being at the age of 40, Mike Smith and Koskinen, been with the team now for the last couple of years, hasn't been able to take over for a 40-year-old goaltender yet. It shows that they're lacking in that position. And I think that, as I believe Noah stated earlier, even though the Darcy Kemper could miss some time, if not game two, but even more than that, the offense that they throw at you with the avalanche I think is going to be too much for either goaltender, on the opposite side for Edmonton to handle going on throughout the rest of the series and already being up a game. Uh, I think that puts them in a very good position
1: to win and make an appearance in the Stanley cup finals. Yeah. So we both agree with that. Um, and with that being said, so you have the Abs in how many games? Oh, in how many games I'll say, I'll say six, six, right. That sounds like a good number, right? Like yep. Sounds like great number to me. Um, Moving on, we're going to transition from some hockey so that the hockey fans can enjoy game one between the Rangers and the Avs. But um, quite frankly, even though I'm a Rangers fan, I'm still here to host the show, Kyle.
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) Not not going to leave you solo here, but Celtics, Boston Celtics win game seven over the Miami Heat, 100 to 96, winning the series in seven games. Your Miami Heat, Kyle Russo uh Celtics outscored the heat 32 to 17 in the first quarter Jason Tatum wins the conference finals MVP and Al Horford finally makes the NBA finals over 141 playoff games and Fonz mentioned this in his podcast today he would rather have five Al Horfords on his team than five Stephen Curry's you want to talk about an old school physical mentality what a hot take Fons DeFalco would rather have five Al Horford's than five Steph Curry's. What a take. What a take by Fonz DeFalco. That
0: is definitely an interesting one. But um, in regards to the series, such a topsy-turvy series, um, going into this game, I I wanted to root for the Heat as much as possible. And I was, obviously, rooting for the team to win Game 7 make it back to the NBA Finals for the second time in three years. But... I think they just they, they just were not in it and you saw that throughout the entirety of this series is that outside of Jimmy Butler, you could not count on anybody. And that was really a, a true testament upon what this series was, is that when you look at Boston, you know you're getting production from Tatum, Brown, Smart, Orford, Pritchard, White, even Grant Williams at some points in time. No. Outside of Jimmy Butler, you weren't getting that. You got a nice game three or game uh, yeah, game three performance out of Bam out of bio. You got a nice game seven performance out of a Bam out of bio, but nobody was giving you anything. No. And that was that that was bad. And when you look at the series prior to the game seven, is that the Celtics, their losses were only by, you know, single digit points. The Heat yeah. were losing these games by twenty points, twenty plus points. I think one twenty four, one twenty five, and I think one was like thirteen or fifteen points. You're we getting blown out. And when you watch this game, you know, all all I hear in the headlines the next day is Jimmy Butler shouldn't have taken that three. You know, he's the only reason why the Heat were there in the first place. I'm okay with the shot. What I'm more upset about is the fact that the Heat throughout the season have been such a terrific three point shooting team. And they completely, in every single game this series, were horrendous from the three point line. I don't think they made more than 13 or 14 threes in a game in this series. And that sounds like a lot, but not when you're taking. 43 pointers that night and in this game seven especially tom they shot six of 34 from the three-point line zero yeah. production whatsoever 13 total points off the bench tyler hero even though he came back in the game seven after a, a groin injury that set him out for game five and six played six minutes was a non-factor whatsoever aldipo logged in nine points whatever it was kyle lowry had an inefficient 15 point night bam at a a double double but whatever but again they need to go back to the drawing boards because I think that they are a good team. But you saw that, again, they had no option scoring-wise. Yeah. I think that Jimmy Butler, he needs a tremendous amount of help. Now, who is that going to be? Who knows? But in terms of the Heat losing this game, when you, when you have the question, because this happens in all sports, you know, you say to yourself, did the team lose? Or did they beat themselves? Were they just outplayed or did they beat themselves? And I think the Heat beat themselves. Because Boston Celtics fans, at least some that I've talked to, they'll openly admit that in the games that they lost to the Heat, they just did not show up. Especially when you look at the Game 6 closeout game against the Miami Heat. I mean, I, mean, I know as a Heat fan, I was shaking in my boots. I said to myself, that was going to be the day that the Heat lost. And Jimmy Butler put up yeah. 47 points in TD Garden. Uh, tremendous. And then even in Game 7 as well. 37 points, something like that. And they only lost by four points, and who knows if that three-point shot would have gone down just a little short what would have been the outcome of this game, and that's how close it was. And I think that it was a lot in part of the fact that the Heat had no supporting cast to go along with Jimmy Butler and the fact that, you know, Boston allowed him to get back in some of these games. Otherwise, again, I think it would have been a much shorter series. But Boston is victorious. They're playing the Golden State Warriors, and congratulations to them because I think that they're going to give the Warriors a hell of a matchup. I think this is going to be a fun one. Uh, for sure. And uh, hopefully we get something good. I don't know if you've read into it a little bit, Tom, but something I like about this series a lot is that, um, for both these teams at least, is that these teams have built their teams. And then they're not, you know, paid for teams. Yeah. They're not massive contracts given to free agents to bring in. The core of these teams are guys that have been picked by these teams. And that's uh, that, at least for me, as, as a fan of basketball, seeing the way the sport has kind of gone in terms of buying championships per se uh it's it's cool to see that both these teams have built the cores of these teams probably i would designate maybe 80 percent of the cores players that they've brought in themselves since day one so definitely some cool things to look out for the series and definitely should be a fun one starting tomorrow night
1: right you're looking at guys like brown tatum and smart you know all draft picks by the celtics and you're looking at the warriors with steph curry with clay thompson with draymond green um now i understand they signed yeah, Jordan Poole. I mean they, they got uh Andrew Wiggins and either a trade or free agency, but you know, he's been a key cog for them as well. So, you know, that that's gonna be something to keep an eye on. And the Celtics at one point about midway through the season, they were below five hundred. Yeah. They were below five hundred. And now in Game 7s in the playoffs, and they're on to the NBA Finals to take on the Golden State Warriors, who took care of business against the Dallas Mavericks in five games. The Warriors are the first team since Jordan's Bulls in the 90s to make the NBA Finals for the sixth time in the past eight years. Point guard Steph Curry won the Western Conference Finals MVP with Game 1 happening tomorrow night. Golden State is home for Games 1 and 2. The series will shift to Boston for three and four, then so on and so forth if the series continues. But some fun facts that I have down. The Warriors are 8-0 in the playoffs when leading after the third quarter, so they're great closers. Um, The Warriors' last final appearance was 2019. The Celtics have not appeared in an NBA final since 2010. Granted, the Warriors did win their last championship four years ago, 2018, for the Celtics, it hasn't been since 2008. It's a long time. Yep. That is a long, long time. And I just, you know, I just want to pin this comment here from Chris Nosek, Breaking Hockey. Frederick Anderson reveals he suffered a torn MCL back on April 16th. Says he was close to returning to action. Uh, torn. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much for that, Chris. Um, appreciate the comment. Um, Frederick Anderson, you know, could have been if he was healthy, but um, the Warriors will be moving on to take on the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. And, you know, Kyle, when I view this series, you know, I know James Wiseman's not available, but the Celtics are definitely the bigger team, I would say, with Horford, with Robert Williams, with Jason Tatum and Grant Williams. But the Warriors have guys like Kevon Looney, Draymond Green, the Manjo Logica, right? So they have guys that could, you know, play significant minutes as well. How often do you think Draymond will be put on Jason Tatum?
0: That's actually an interesting one. I didn't really think about that. I thought maybe like a Wiggins would be put on him, but maybe Draymond would be put on a Tatum. It's tough because if you're meeting, if Jason Tatum is meeting Kavon Looney in the paint, Jason Tatum is going to win that matchup all day long. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what the dynamic is defensively for this team because I think the difference between the Miami Heat and this Golden State Warriors team is that I think when Golden uh, when Miami was playing up against Boston, I think that's like two hands down two of the best defensive teams in the entire NBA. Not to say that Golden State hasn't, you know, had some defensive you know wins in terms mm-hmm. of. Performances where you look at guys like Draymond Green, you look at guys like Andrew Wiggins, who, yes, Luka Doncic was killing him, but for Luka Doncic as performances, he was doing a pretty nice job on, on Luka specifically. So it's going to be definitely interesting to see what breaks down uh, in the plan for Steve Kerr uh, because they got, they got some great when, – when guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are hitting their strides, I mean, I saw it firsthand against the Miami Heat team. Uh, it didn't matter how good their def- defense was. Is that it was going to be their night, and they were going to take control? And they had a couple games in the previous series in the Eastern Conference Finals where you saw that that it didn't matter that Jimmy Butler was one of the best uh, two way players in the NBA. It didn't matter that Bam Adebayo was up for Defensive Player of the Year this year. PJ Tucker is a lockdown defender. It didn't it didn't matter. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens here in this Golden State Warrior series.
1: So obviously the Warriors are favorites, as they should be. Yeah. Uh, What's the key to Boston pulling off the upset? And who do you have in this series? I think that the key to Boston winning
0: is sustainability and consistency. And what I mean by that is what I saw a lot of in uh, the Heat series is that Boston would go full throttle on the gas, but allow the Heat to get back into the game. Can't do that against Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors – you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And you even saw that in this Mavericks series with the Golden State Warriors. I mean, how many games, if the Mavericks were able to sustain and hold the lead, especially earlier on the season uh, in the series, like a game two or a game three, where the Mavericks were leading at points in the game. And they weren't able to close out. Golden State Warriors were able to overcome. In fact, I think the Mavericks from one of the games blew a 20-point lead. And then in even the game that the Mavericks did wind up winning in that fourth quarter, the Mavericks got outscored like 40 to 20. So you see that the Warriors are more than capable of putting up points when they need to. I think that in terms of Boston, really living up to that defensive prowess as well as you know showing up offensively, they have to make sure that, and again, extremely tough assignment with guys like Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, uh, Steph Curry, and now the emergence of Jordan Poole and Gary Payton may be available as well after suffering that elbow injury earlier on in the second round, I believe, of the playoffs. So they just need to be able to withstand leads. I I think that's the biggest key to them winning this. Did they
1: score? Yeah. Chris Kreider. There you go. Holy smokes. There you go.
0: Getting on the board first. That's what what was that?
1: that? That has to be like the first shot of the game. Yeah, How it literally just started. The game didn't start to like two minutes ago. Wow. Yep. There you go. That might the be rust. that rust that Garth, Garth was, was just saying. saying.
0: Yeah. That might be that rust
1: Garth was talking about. First shot. Of, yeah, that was the first shot of the night for the Rangers. So, And 11 seconds into the game. But sorry, Kyle. Also, shout out Nick Lombardi with the let's go. No,
0: that was, that was really it. I think that's really the key because defensively they have been – excellent i think that the key to them winning is they just need to be able to sustain the leads in which they're building for themselves because again golden state you know 17 points 20 points may look like a lot towards other teams not for the golden state warriors so i think that that's really the key in terms of boston pulling up the upset here against the warriors in the finals yeah um and did you make your prediction my prediction i think the golden state warriors are winning this thing in six games Um, you know, you brought up the, the excellence of the bulls. It's kind of like that same kind of storyline, right? Where Michael Jordan leaves in, uh, in 94, 95, the Houston Rockets win. But I think a lot could assume that if the, uh, Jordanless bulls, if they had Jordan during that time, Michael Jordan would have won eight straight. I think we're kind of looking at the same thing with the Warriors, where if Klay Thompson doesn't go down with that horrendous ACL tear twice, that keeps him out for two straight years. We could have been looking yeah. at a team that would have been definitely in the Western Conference Finals, I would say, maybe in the finals and maybe even winning the whole thing. Um, especially when you look and you go back to 2019 against the Raptors and nothing to take away from them, but you look at the injuries to guys like Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson in that series, I think a lot would agree that if they were healthy, they would have won that series. and Maybe even would have been able to keep the band together in terms of Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson healthy. So uh, The dominance would have continued, and I think it's going to continue here, and we'll see that kind of dynasty rejoice a little bit. And uh, the Golden State Warriors will be able to obtain a fourth championship in the last, what is that now, eight years, seven years? Yeah.
1: So, last yeah, seven, eight years. I am also picking the Warriors to win this series. I don't think Boston will be able to keep up with the offensive output that Golden State's going to produce. Granted, they also have home court advantage in this series. I think the Warriors are going to win it in five games. I think Boston is gassed from back-to-back seven-game series. The Warriors have been resting for a while now. Uh, Maybe not too much longer than Boston, but they've been resting for quite a bit, and um, they went through the Mavs easily. I personally don't see Boston being able to last more than five games in this series. I could be wrong, but I'm that Golden State and. What they're able to do, their defense is incredible. You could pretty put, you could pretty much put any of their starting five except for Steph Curry on Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's what it's going to come down to, and I think the Warriors hold that advantage all the way home. So, I have the Warriors in five, but I think Boston will win Game Three. So that is my prediction. Okay. When they go back to the Garden, okay, cool. Yeah. So. That being said, quickly, since the game is in progress and I noticed everyone on our stream, the comments have died down and everyone's watching the game now. Briefly, let's talk about the Mets before they implode on their upcoming 10- Oh, the negativity. Angels. (laughs) Uh, Look, 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 man, you got to enjoy it while it's... uh, Happening. Look, we're thirty-five and seventeen in first place. A six-game winning streak. Won last night, ten nothing. Trevor Williams got his first win of the year. Francisco Lindor now has a ten RBI game streak. After today, the Mets win five nothing. So two back-to-back shutouts against the Washington Nationals, completing an outstanding three-game streak. Carlos Carrasco five shutout innings on the mound today. Carrasco improves to six and one. Yeah. On the season for the New York Mets, that leads all Mets starters in wins. Granted, half of our starters are on the injured list. <laughs> I, was gonna say. I, I, I would argue that McGill and Scherzer probably would have been on pace to surpass that or yeah. be there as well. But, I mean, the Mets are just really impressive. I mean, Tomas Nito today was outstanding. Four for four, three RBIs. Luis Giorme has supplanted a roster spot now. Nick Plummer came out of nowhere, back-to-back homers over the weekend. Hell, I was at the Mets-Phillies game Saturday night. I was cheering my ass off for this team until I was blue in the face. I mean, quite frankly, the Mets are a good baseball team right now. There's reason for optimism, but there's also reason to be a little bit concerned because the next four series, you have four games against the Dodgers starting tomorrow night. Then you have the Giants. Then you have an off day, and then you play the Angels. And then you come back home and play the Milwaukee Brewers Four upcoming series against teams all over 500. Now, granted the angels have gotten boat race their last few games, but to be honest, I'm concerned. I am concerned. I still think Atlanta is the one threat to the Mets in this division. They're not fully, they haven't fully hit their gear yet. And I think the Mets are going to drop a little bit. I, I mean, at best, Kyle, I see the Mets going 500, maybe 6-4 at best on this 10-game road trip. What do you think?
0: I mean, we talked about it last week. The, the Mets were just coming off an afternoon loss to the Giants, a 9-3 loss in that, uh, I don't even remember his name, but it was a rookie debut for your Mets <laughs> pitcher. And I said to you, I said to both, um, well, I think I said to you, I think Brian was on as well, I said, Mets got the Phillies these next couple games. They got the Washington Nationals. Take care of business. They're bad teams. Take care of business. You guys won all six. You yeah. Won all six. Did more. In a, did way and above. Right now, versus last week on Wednesday night when we had the show, the Mets had a seven and a half game lead. Now they have a ten and a half game lead because Atlanta continues to falter. Philadelphia has lost five in a row. Washington has lost three in a row. Atlanta. I, I mean. Obviously, giving the respect in which they deserve, coming off a World Series championship, but I don't. They they've looked pretty bad, and I know mm-hmm. they were at this same point around the same time last year as well. But they have looked pretty bad so far this season, below five hundred right now, only three games below five hundred. But Tom, in complete agreement with what you're saying, in that this next upcoming ten game road trip is very difficult, and then even after the ten game road trip, playing teams like Houston twice. Uh, towards the end of the month of June. It's a very, very tough month. But with a 10.5-game lead, I, I think the Mets have developed a very sustainable lead that even when you go above five hundred, the Mets will still be able to obtain probably a six and a half, seven and a half game lead once again, especially because towards the end of June, you would hope that a Scherzer will be back, a McGill might be back. Uh, DeGrom will be on pace to potentially come back. I know his recovery is going a lot faster than a lot had thought. Maybe even potential to return before an all-star break now potentially may happen. I don't think he throws on the mound in June, but maybe early in July. We'll see what happens. But again, even with this tough game, even with this tough road trip up ahead, even with the month of June, now in day one, and that Phillies and Washington, uh, both those series are over, that dominance is over. Uh, the difference between last year's Mets team and this year's Mets team is that they are just hitting out of their minds, right? Mm -hmm. McNeil... Francisco Lindor I think uh, you know I don't know your take I think he's kind of living up to that contract just a little bit he's slowly increasing after a slow start
1: not the contract well, but his play is not incredible. the
0: contract but his play is his play is gone from you know average subpar to I think it's kind of hitting that elite stride Let's a little bit see if he
1: can do this against the good pitching those elite teams though that we're yeah. going up against Yeah now. the Brewers the
0: Dodgers the Padres mm-hmm. the the Angels and Houston obviously mm-hmm. but again with a lead in which they've built even though you guys, uh, the Mets, play a lot of tough games up ahead. With a 10-and-a-half game lead, I, I would feel pretty comfortable, honestly, going with the June.
1: Um, and also the additions of Starling Marte and Mark Canha have been outstanding. Uh, Mark Canha had a four-hit game the other day. Marte is on base and scores a run just about every game, and they just, got Brand, they just got Brandon Nimmo back. Yeah. And that's a huge addition to the team. And, you know, you're looking at what the Mets are without – What's gonna happen when the Mets are with everybody come the That's later months saying. of the season? That's so what I'm saying. You should be excited, but there's still room for pessimism.
0: Oh there listen, is, there's definitely there is room. There's definitely room because that injury bug has definitely hit the Mets organization. The difference was is that this time last year when it hit, there was no batting to support the pitching. So when the pitching went out the door, there was no batting to even potentially compete in baseball games. You have elite level batting right now from pretty much everybody from one
1: to one to nine. So Yep. Spot. We went down the first game of the series against the Nationals 3 0 and came back to win. That's a game we lose last year with Luis yeah. Rojas as manager. And the manager is something that has to be brought Buck up Showalter. as you well. Buck Show yeah. Walter. He's been insane. But hey, let's move on to your Yankees because you guys essentially have the same record as us. Um not exactly the same, but in that ballpark, thirty four and fifteen. You guys are playing right now, I believe. Uh, game
0: actually got uh, postponed, I think, because of the rain, but it's uh, uh, they have a 34 15 lead. Uh, they're coming off a terrific win against the Angels, very dominant win against the Angels, in which they won nine to one. Uh, but coming off a series in which they split the series, I talked about it last week with the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know what for whatever it is, it's the Yankees kryptonite and kryptonite. continues its course. Uh, they win the first two games and then lose the last two games of that series in the four game series, so um. As the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, again, we talked about the Mets having a solid lead. The Yankees have a lesser of a lead, and it's uh, more dominant of a division, I would say, between the Toronto Blue Jays, kind of hitting their stride right now. Six-game win, uh, six win streak, and are on pace right now as long as all things run its course. They have a 5-3 lead right now against the Chicago White Sox, still early in the game, but we'll see what happens. They only have a five-and-a-half-game lead over Toronto and a six-game lead over Tampa. Uh, but the Yankees are playing great baseball, even though they're suffering a lot of injuries right now they're playing some great baseball. You're seeing some really, really solid contributions through batters one through nine, some great defensive performances as well in the infield and the outfield. The pitching has been superb. Uh, you've seen some great outings. Uh, I know some the Yankees haven't had in a very, very long time is consistency on uh, both ends of the field, offensive and defensive prowess in terms of their catcher. In the Gary Sanchez, Kyle Higashioka run uh Trevino has been terrific defensively. He's been terrific offensively. He's been very, very clutch as of late. So all around, they've been a very, very good baseball club, one of the best in baseball. Um, I'm really happy where they're at. Obviously, I wish the injury bug didn't hit the way it did. Uh, and yeah. obviously, still a lot of baseball yet to be played and with not a very, uh, with a decent lead in terms of their own division in the AL East. It's it's never comfortable with teams like the Blue Jays and the Rays, but I think they're in good spot right now. Uh, They're going into a month of June that isn't that difficult. So hoping to continue this dominance for this Yankees team moving forward as we roll into the month of June uh, with teams like the Angels, the Tigers, the Cubs, you know, Oakland Athletics. So hopefully they start winning some more games and they continue this dominance and continue to reign, uh, reign their dominance in the AL, not just in the AL East, but the AL as a whole
1: hundred percent. And I think the addition of Matt Carpenter, uh, you know, was a good one. You yeah. A pair of RBIs the other day. I like the way he's been playing and Jose Trevino had two RBIs yesterday as well, going three for four DJ LeMay, two RBIs as well. Glaber Torres two for four. And then Joey Gallo had two hits yesterday. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really the key is that really with the exception of Joey Gallo,
0: the batters have been terrific i mean he's really been the only guy where you've had to uh in terms of boone setting lineup he's really been the only guy in which you've had to consider keeping him out as home run dominant as he is he's at least to start the season these first two months he's been a very 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 heavy strikeout guy he's had some very very poor games um but again because of the fact the pitching has been excellent and the batters all around have been pretty terrific. Um, it hasn't been that much of a loss or too much of a hit to this
1: Yankee ball club early on in the season. Yeah. I, I, I think that's important to note as Steven Stamkos just tied the game for the Tampa Bay lightning is going to be that time, that kind of it, serious. It, it's crazy because in the group chat, I'm in with Noah and Garth right now when Kreider scores, Noah says Kreider scored. Now when the lightning score, he goes Stamkos ties it. There you go. You can tell who it was rooting for in this series. But back to your Yankees for a moment. Um, what was up with Noah Syndergaard yesterday? My gosh, that might have been the worst pitching performance I have ever seen him make. Uh, four runs given up in the first inning. Five runs, seven hits. What was up with Noah Syndergaard? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't really know. Only threw forty-five pitches in the game
0: yesterday. Lasted two innings and a third wasn't very good. Gave up five runs uh, very early. I think that he should have been pulled a little earlier based on how he's pitching, but uh, the manager for the angels left him in. So uh, very fortunate for that, but he was having a very, very bad outing yesterday. But again, it's just, it's, it's, you can't judge too much because of the fact that it's just, you know, this is what the Yankees been doing to a lot of teams and a lot of teams pitchers, because again, the consistency there from batters, you know, one through nine, have been tremendous. I mean, the only person who didn't get a hit yesterday, as surprising as it might sound, is Aaron Judge. But Aaron Judge, being as dangerous as he is as a batter, he got walked once in his three at-bats. So he's getting on base in different ways. That's just the, con- that's just the contributions that we're seeing here from this Yankees team, is that, okay, if you're not hitting, you're a guy that can read the pitch very well and are getting walked. Because the Yankees' a is team, you know, you see a game in and game out multiple yeah. times, guys like Judge getting walked. You'll see a who get walked, a Stanton get walked. Even a Rizzo at some points in time, when he was having that terrific uh, two-, three-week stretch, batter, pitchers were walking him because of how dangerous yeah. of a hitter that he's been so far this year. So they've been terrific so far, very, very happy. It's a different feel. Um, even though the Yankees have been a 90-100 win team these last three-, four years, it's a different feeling to this team, no doubt about it, based on how they're playing. Uh, pitching-wise, how they're closing out games, and how they're batting as well.
1: Very different feel. Jordan Montgomery picks up his first win of the season yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I believe now this would have been the final game of the series, or are you going to have a doubleheader tomorrow now? Uh,
0: so this would have been – let me check right now for you. This would have been
2: – Check his
0: no, so this game here tonight got postponed and it's getting moved to tomorrow. Oh, yes, yeah. they'll play a doubleheader. But they still got another game on. Um, well, actually, we'll see what happens now because they were supposed to play tomorrow as well. So they're playing a doubleheader. I wonder when they're were when they going to make up the actual Thursday game in which they had scheduled uh, right. for tomorrow to play because they have to play on Friday uh, against Detroit. So I guess that game will get moved on to a later time against the Angels later on in the season. Hmm. Um, but... Yeah, they have another couple games left against this Angels team, uh, two tomorrow, which, again, is not the best because the Yankees have not been the best doubleheader team between this year and and last year. That's something that's been working against them. But we'll see what happens. They played a terrific first game against them, 9-1. So we'll see what happens against this uh, Angels team tomorrow uh, tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night.
1: Absolutely. Looking, looking forward to it. Excited that both New York baseball teams are really good. And, folks, oh, Brian just cursed the series with this. Huh. Brian McArdle comes in at the very end of every single show and just throws in a one-liner. And is correct. Brian, thank you very much for commenting. Go check out Brian and his work at From the Stand Sports. College football season is coming up. It's knocking on the door. It's June 1st. Come August, we're going to start talking college football. So thank you very much for the comment, Brian. But I hope you're light and lose this series. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see the Rangers make the Stanley Cup Finals. But appreciate you and appreciate everybody who commented tonight. We had some nice little debate and discussion in the comment section. And uh, Kyle, couldn't thank you enough for joining the show. And, Absolutely. Um, Folks, remember to check out our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. We'll have our exclusive segment up with Garth from tonight. That'll be up tomorrow morning. And then reminder to follow us on all of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, the Anchor, to catch our audio versions, and TikTok as well at Review and Preview. Um, Make sure to tune in tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, hitting for the cycle, Hank and Dichter, who's currently at MSG Live at Game 1, with the Rangers and the lightning. We'll be talking some MLB baseball around the league and looking forward to watching that. And folks we'll be back next week with another episode of review and preview. Have a good night, everybody.